I started to stay up here the whole time so it wouldn't be up and down, but I knew Lori would probably try and get me to sing. <laughs> and y'all wouldn't like that too much. Um, it's my pleasure to uh, introduce Elijah Norris. Um, he and his wife Elizabeth and their children, Cadence and Altman, have been um, attending and visiting here for the last several months. And I know that some of us men um, got a chance to hear him speak and give a little bit of his testimony at men's ministry several months back. So I can definitely say y'all are all in for a blessing. Um, currently, Elijah is enrolled at North Greenville University, working in a, towards a degree in Christian ministry. Um, he's also the former youth pastor at Little River, River Baptist in Level Land. So, Elijah, if you'll come up. Thank you. You hear me? All right. I didn't know Zach had a clock up here. <laughs> That'll add to the nerves a little bit. All right. So I appreciate that. I didn't hear you. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm just going to turn that upside down. All right. So I uh, appreciate the introduction. Um, like I said, my name is Elijah Norris. I was a youth pastor at Little River Baptist for a couple of years. It was a joy and a pleasure to serve there, and I'm still working towards a ministry degree and just seeking where God's will is for me next um, in, in vocational ministry, and um, it, it has been an awesome ride the whole way. Um, getting in the pulpit is always nerve-wracking, um, but uh, it, it's, a, it, it's a humbling experience to be able to present God's words um, to those that are listening, and um, it's also humbling to try to get the truths across um, the way that the way that God has written them down. So, again, Matt, I appreciate you introducing me. My name is Elijah Norris, and I, I like how he said Norris. Um, you know, but I grew up in Conway, South Carolina, so I'm not related to the Norrises of Abbeville unless they're rich. Then, <laughs> then we we might claim them. Um, so, but yeah, so I grew up in Conway, South Carolina, and we said Norris in Conway, South Carolina. Um, then I moved to Greenville, and I lived in Greenville for several years. And everybody, when people would ask me my name, and I would say Elijah Norris, they would never write down N-O-R-R-I-S. It was always N-A-R-S-E. And I was, that's, that's not my name. So I had to learn how to say Norris. So that became my habit, Elijah Norris. And then when I came back to Abbeville, I met somebody from the Norrises of Abbeville County, I guess. And they, they said, you're not saying your name right. And then so when they corrected me, I said, thank goodness, I'm somewhere that says it right. So now I could say Elijah Norris again. So that is, that is nice to, uh, to live in Abbeville and be able to say it properly. I appreciate Zach asking me to, to preach. I was actually supposed to be working today, and God worked it out so that um, I could be here to, to preach this morning. Um, I would have been um, potentially taking your church's um, child to Pittsburgh this morning. Um, that probably would have what I would have been doing if I'd not been here, but they do have a good crew today, and they'll be handling that. Um, but uh, today we're going to go a little old school. Um, my old school, I mean, we're going to go to the, the Old Testament. So um, we've been in Galatians for a while, um, so now we're going to go back a little bit to the Old Testament. So if you want to turn in your Bibles, um, we're not going to have it on the screen, I don't believe. You can turn in your Bibles to the book of Habakkuk. So if, if you need something to read, because uh, it's not going to be on the screen, you may want to go ahead and search for that. Um, the book of Habakkuk.
So if you've been coming on Sunday nights, Zach's been talking about uh, the big picture of the Bible, and he's been walking us through the Bible, and it's been an awesome study, and, I, and I'm sure it's been eye-opening for, for a lot of you. It's been eye-opening for me in many areas. Um, I know when I'm going through school, I've learned a lot of that stuff, and um, it's, just, it's just so eye-opening what we miss that's in Scripture and what's in the Bible, that, that the way it plays out. Um, so that's a great study to come be a part of. Habakkuk is one of the minor prophets. If you remember, we talked about the minor prophets one night. And the reason he's a minor prophet is not because he had less of a role to play, but because his book is short. So keeping with Zach's study on a book, we're going to do a study on the book of Galatians, or I'm sorry, Habakkuk, but it's just going to take one service to get through the three chapters of Habakkuk. So um, I told Zach that, and he, he said, man, I'll give you three weeks if you want it. And, and I was like, man, I, you know, I, I have to work too. So, um, but, uh, you know, we were cutting up. So the book of Habakkuk is, Habakkuk was a prophet to the nation of Judah. Um, he was different from the other prophets because most of the other prophets, they were preaching judgment and they were preaching, you know, uh, repentance and um, telling the, the people that they had to turn back to God. Because if you look at the history of Israel, if you, if you look at the history of God's chosen people, God was faithful to them the entire time. That's God's nature. He is faithful. He cannot not be faithful. That's a part of his nature, and he does not change. So God has been faithful ever since the beginning to his chosen people, the Israelites. And he's made promises and covenants with Abraham, with Noah, with David. And throughout history, we can look through all of Scripture and see how God's been faithful to those promises and those covenants. But time and time again, people have not been faithful. God's people has not been faithful. Even though he was faithful to them, they were not faithful to him. So this is why the prophets, God spoke through the prophets in the Old Testament. This is why they were constantly uh, preaching repentance and judgment and saying, turn back to God. He's been faithful to you. He created you. You need to turn back to him. And um, Habakkuk's a little bit different. Habakkuk's actually in a dialogue with God. And we're going to read his dialogue with God. So Habakkuk was a prophet that saw the impending judgment that was coming on the nation of Judah. Judah was um, one of the nations that formed when Israel split into two. It split into the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. And Habakkuk was seeing the impending judgment that was coming. The Babylonians were coming to take them over. And um, Habakkuk was dialoguing with God about this coming. So we're going to read here, but first, first before we read, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we uh, thank you for bringing this text to our minds this morning, this text to um, our hearts. God, I pray that the truths of this text is preached boldly and courageously and accurately this morning. God, I pray that um, above all things that your glory is revealed this morning. I pray that as Samantha saying, God, that the Holy Spirit just fills this place, is welcome here. Um, God, that everything that is said and done here this morning just be about giving you praise and honor and glory. God, just take over this service. And we love you. Jesus, name I pray. Amen. I also should say, too, that amens are welcome and encouraged. So if you feel like saying amen, it's welcome and encouraged. Um, it is encouraging to the, the person in the pulpit. It let, lets me know that you, you're listening and it's resonating. Yeah. All right, so we'll begin in the book of Habakkuk, first chapter, the second verse. 
And Habakkuk's crying out to, to God. He says, O oh Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? Or cry to you violence and you will not save? Why do you make me see iniquity? And why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted. So Habakkuk's crying out to God. And he's saying, God, how long are you going to allow this evil to happen? I'm crying out to you and you're not answering me. Am I the only one that's ever felt that way? I can't be the only one that's ever felt that way. Crying out to God, and Habakkuk feels like God's not answering. How long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? As we sang this morning, we know that God hears us. God never leaves us. He never forsakes us. But sometimes in our finite nature, we can't understand God, and we feel like he's not listening. And Habakkuk's crying out. And I wonder how often we cry out asking God for help. Sometimes we face certain situations and we're just crying out to God and we're not hearing anything. I'm wondering, God, why are you not answering me? I remember one time lying in my living room floor on my face and crying and saying, God, I've done what you've told me to do. Why can I not hear you? Why can I not feel you? We've all been there. If you haven't been there, you will be at some point. But in these moments, we have to trust and we have to have faith. And we're going to see that here shortly. But Habakkuk's at that point. He's crying out to God. I see the Babylonians coming or the Chaldeans. The the name's interchangeable. I see them coming. I see the evil. Why are you silent? He says, why do you make me see iniquity? And why do you just oddly look at wrong? He says, so the law is paralyzed. What he means by that is, The law is not stirring anyone's hearts to do good. It's paralyzed. And justice never goes forth. And the wicked are surrounding the righteous, and justice is perverted. So God responds to Habakkuk in verse 5. And he says, look among the nations and see. Wonder and be astounded. For I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. God tells him, I'm doing a work that you cannot even understand. And that's a place we can hang our hat on. We don't understand what God's doing sometimes, but we know that he's working. We know that he's doing something. And we can hang our hat on that. And we continue in verse 6. He says, For behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans, also known as the Babylonians, that bitter and hasty nation who march through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are dreaded and fearsome. Their justice and dignity go forth from themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards, more fierce than the evening wolves. Their horsemen press proudly on. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle, swift to devour. They all come for violence, all their faces forward. They gather captives like sand. At kings they scoff, and at rulers they laugh. They laugh at every fortress, for they pile up earth and take it. Then they sweep by like the wind and go on guilty men whose own might is their God. So God explains to Habakkuk that the Babylonians are coming. They are going to take over Judah. But in this case, it's for Judah's correction. It's for Judah's discipline. Because they have turned from him time and time again. 
And this is the beginning of what we know as the exile, when, when the Israelites were exiled out of their country. Um, the Babylonians, the way they would do it was they would take people out of their countries when they would overtake them, send them back to Babylon, and they would enculturate them into the Babylonian culture and then send them back home. They would keep them there for a generation or two and then send them back home so that their old culture was no more. And that's what they were going to do to the Israelites. And Habakkuk knew this, and God described how fierce they were. He said they're more fierce than the evening wolves. Those are the most ravenous wolves. He says they're more fierce than them. They were also known for their horsemen. Uh, Their horsemen were excellent horsemen. They scoffed at kings. They laughed at rulers. Um, They piled up earth to fortresses. That means they would build a ramp of earth up the side of the wall, and they would just overtake it. They sweep by like the wind and go on guilty men whose own might is their God. So we see their pride. God tells us about their pride. Their own might is their God. So Habakkuk responds to him. Verse 12. Habakkuk says, Are you not from everlasting, O Lord my God, my Holy One? We shall not die. O Lord, you have ordained them as a judgment, and you, O Rock, have established them for reproof. You who are of purer eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong, why do you idly look at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallows up? So Habakkuk answers God. And it's, it's important to see how Habakkuk responds and how he calls God, the names that he used. He says, God, I know that you're everlasting. So he knows the character traits of God. So it sounds like Habakkuk already knows God, walks with God, has a spiritual walk with God. I would imagine that's a daily walk with God. He says, oh, Lord, my God. My Holy One. So Habakkuk's calling him Lord, God, and Holy One. He's calling him all of these things that lets us know that Habakkuk surrenders to God. He's also not questioning God as if he's questioning God's wisdom. He's questioning God as if, help me to understand, I want your wisdom. A lot of times when we go through those trials we face, we see an impending um, evil coming our way. It doesn't have to be a judgment as if we see here. But something may be before us. Um, speaking with my father-in-law yesterday, he's potentially looking at a layoff next week. He doesn't know. You know, somebody may be looking at marital issues. There may be other things that we don't know, financial issues that you may see in your future. And you're crying out to God, God, help me. How, how much do I have to endure? I'm being faithful to you. Help me through this. And it's not a crowd of unbelief or disbelief. It's a crowd of, help me to have wisdom. Help me to understand. And Habakkuk says, your pure eyes, how do your pure eyes look at evil? It's basically what he says. You have pure eyes, how do you just look at evil and just idly sit by? So after Habakkuk says that, skip ahead to chapter 2, verse 1. Habakkuk says, I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. So Habakkuk asks God these questions and then he waits. That's a hard thing to do, to just wait and to be patient. And I have to believe that sometimes God uses that time to polish our spiritual maturity. 
to help us to grow, to help us to trust, and to help us to rely. And that waiting time, we're growing to see who are we going to rely on. Are we going to rely on ourselves or are we going to rely on God? And waiting is hard. And abiding is hard. He's not only waiting, he's abiding. He says, I'll take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he'll say to me. So he's waiting. So the analogy there is they would have watchtowers at the ends of um, the fortresses. So today, if you can imagine a prison, and they have prison towers on the corners. The people, the guards in the prison tower are looking out, and they're constantly attentive to the yard, making sure nobody's getting out, right? And also making sure nobody's getting in. So they're attentive to what's going on. But they're sitting there still, quiet, watching, waiting, and being attentive. So that's what Habakkuk says he's going to do. I'm going to find a spot where I can sit and I can be still. I'm going to be quiet. I'm going to wait. I'm going to watch. And I'm going to be attentive. I'm going to abide in God. If you want to read more about abiding in God, read John 15. It's a great chapter for that. I think of it like this. You know, if you have kids, sometimes you go to a ball game late at night, and you get home, and it's already way past their bedtime. You're trying to scrub dinner down um, before you can get them in the bed. So you might leave the plates out that have the food on them. Now, you may not pick up that night. The next morning you get up and you got plates and they got food all stuck to them, right? If you go take it to the sink and you start scrubbing, it's really hard to get all that food off of there. You're going to work really, really hard. But if you just stick, if you turn the water on, put some soap in there and get it really hot and then let it soak for a while, then it's just going to wipe right off. So sometimes we just need to soak in God's presence. We need to abide in God's presence. Instead of us trying to scrub it clean, religion will tell you to scrub yourself clean. A relationship with the Father will tell you to abide in His presence. There's a difference there. Because it's not all on our power. It's all on God's power. And sometimes we just have to abide, just soak in that hot water, and let God take the food off of us. Let Him clean us, wipe us clean. So that's what Habakkuk's doing. He's abiding. He's being attentive, he's watching, and he's waiting. There's a huge lesson to be learned out of that. And we don't know how long it took. We don't know how much time went by. We don't know how long it took before God answered him. Scripture doesn't give us that information. But we can surmise that it was a little while if Habakkuk had to go somewhere and sit and wait. So we'll continue in chapter 2, verse 2. It says, and the Lord answered me, write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it, for still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by his faith. So the vision that Habakkuk is being given by God is the next verses that we're going to skip over. But there are five woes that God's given towards the Babylonians. He's saying, yeah, they're going to do this. This evil is going to happen for my judgment, for correction. This evil is going to occur for my plans to prevail. Where else have we seen evil occur and God's plan prevail? The cross, right? God says this is going to happen. 
But there is judgment for the Babylonians. There is judgment. He gives those five woes. So verses 2 through 4 before the five woes, those are the vision that God's telling Habakkuk to write on the tablets. And he's telling him to put it on the tablets because he doesn't want them to forget. He wants them to remember. And he says it's coming at an appointed time. It hastens to the end. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. So he's telling him to write it down and remember what I've told you. Remember what I'm telling everyone else. The judgment to the Babylonians is going to come. They're going to pay for what they did. And it's going to, you're going to have to be patient. You're going to have to wait. And don't forget, write it down on a tablet. How hard it is to wait sometimes. How hard it is to wait. You know, I'm not good at writing and journaling and those kinds of things. I wish I was. Um, because there's a lot of things that God tells me sometimes when I'm studying and doing my devotional or just riding down the road because I work in Greenville. It takes me a good hour to get there. So a lot of times just listening to music and just talking to God, I just wish I would write some of the things down. Elizabeth, on the other hand, is phenomenal at writing stuff down in her, her journal and keeping records of what God's speaking to her. And she'll pull stuff out and be like, this was three years ago. Look at what he told us and look at how it came to fruition. You know, it's it's amazing, and that's what God was telling Habakkuk. Write it down on tablets so that you don't forget, and they're going to see that it, that it comes. But then we get to the real meat of the passage. And it's verse 4, and he says, Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him. He's talking about the Babylonians there. They're, they're, they're prideful. They're relying on himself. But the righteous shall live by his faith. Now, this is something you all should have heard several times already, and I'm going to show it to you. So we're going to, I'm going to jump ahead. You don't have to turn there if you don't want to, but I'm going to jump ahead to Romans 1, 16 and 17. Paul said to the Romans, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it, the gospel, is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. And then we jump ahead again. So what's he talking about the gospel? Galatians chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one, no one is justified before God by the law. For, for the righteous shall live by faith. So Paul, in two different books, Romans and Galatians, is referencing what the prophet Habakkuk wrote down, that God said to him, the righteous shall live by faith. And in Galatians 3, chapter, uh, verse 10, he says, we're cursed. We're cursed. If we miss one thing on the law, we're cursed. We can't do it on our own. We've all broken the law. We have all are cursed. But that's where Jesus Christ enters the picture. And that's where Jesus Christ became a man who lived a perfect life, never broke the law. But yet, Scripture tells us that any man hangs on a tree is cursed. Jesus hangs on the cross takes the curse for us. 
to allow us to live a redeemed life with our Creator, with our Father, with our God, the one who loves us more than anyone else. Because of what Jesus did. Not because of what we did. Only because of what He did. Think about a hamster in a cage. So the hamster's in a cage and he looks out and he sees the, the cage is clear and he thinks, oh, I'm going to make a break for it. I'm going to get out of here. So he jumps on the wheel and he starts going as hard as he can. And he's going really, really hard and he's not getting anywhere. And he's just going really, really, really hard, right? And he's starting to get tired. His efforts are starting to wear him out. He's getting really exhausted, but he's trying really hard and he's going to do what he can to get out of there. The hamster is never going to get out of there. How does the hamster get out? The hamster's owner has to reach in, grab that hamster, and pull him out. It takes something bigger than the hamster, something bigger than his little world, to intervene, to reach in and pull him out. And that's what God did for us. It's exactly what God did for us. We can't get anywhere on our own efforts. Southside, we have to stop trying. And we just have to trust. And we have to know that God is doing it. God has got us. We can rely on Him. We can abide in Him. And when you realize that your efforts are not going to get you anywhere, it makes you want to live for Him all that much more. Because I'm just relying on Him. I'm relying on Him. There's nothing I can do. There's a doctrine called total depravity. That means that all of us are depraved apart from God. All of us are nothing good apart from God. And it takes our reliance on God. It takes Him pulling us out. It takes us surrendering to Him as Lord and Savior. Admitting that Jesus died for my sins. And accepting Him. That's what it takes. That's the righteous living by faith that we're talking about. That's what we're talking about. Habakkuk. God tells Habakkuk, Babylonians are profitable. They rely on themselves. They're going to be judged. But the righteous shall live by their faith. And there was a righteous remnant during that time. There were some that were worshiping God. He says they'll live by their faith, meaning they'll rely on God to get them through that trial. They knew the Babylonians were coming. They knew they were going to be exiled. They knew the Babylonians were going to try to enculturate them into a completely different culture and get them to forsake God. But he said, they will rely on me through that. Through that storm. Whatever it is you're facing, rely on God. He will bring you through that storm. You heard me mention potentially flying um, the child up to Pittsburgh. My full-time job is I'm a flight paramedic. And we have airplanes and helicopters. And with the airplane, we go above the clouds. We can go through the clouds, above the clouds. Helicopters, we stay away from the clouds. Clouds are not good for helicopters, too. Um, I'm always amazed when I'm flying on the airplane. We fly a lot when it's stormy because helicopters aren't flying. So we'll fly a lot of their stuff. And when we're on the ground, there's black clouds. You know, we can see storms off in the distance. It looks terrible. We're thinking, man, I really don't want to have to go through that, you know. I really don't want to have to go through that. It's going to be bumpy. 
There's going to be a lot of turbulence. Sometimes there's big drops that we don't expect to happen. There's a lot of unknown in those clouds. But we accept missions, and we go, and we take off. We go up through the clouds, and it's bumpy, and we're hanging on. you got your seatbelts on tight. You know, make sure you're strapped in good. You're, you know, you're talking to your pilot, making sure he's calm. And then you pop through the clouds. And did you know that on the other side of a storm cloud, it's white? It's white. They're not dark on the top. They're white. The reason they look dark on the ground is because the sunshine can't get through. We're blinded by what's on the other side. But when we pop through those clouds, you just see beauty. You see white. You see the sun shining. You see a sunrise or a sunset. Or if it's at night, we see stars and the moon. And I'm always amazed because I look at those things and I think about how powerful God is that he was able to set that sun there. He was able to set those stars up there or that moon up there. But we're so blinded sometimes by what's right in front of us that we don't get the whole perspective that God has. And we can't have the whole perspective that God has. But if we we rely and trust and live by faith in God, He's going to carry us through those storms. He knows what's on the other side. We don't until we get there. And those on earth we don't until we get there. But we also know ultimately where we're going. If you're a Christian today, you're going to find yourself standing face-to-face with God, worshiping Him, enjoying His presence. That's what's on the other side for us for eternal life. That's what's on the other side. On earth, we don't see what's on the other side of the temporary storms that we go through. But we rely on God. So God told him, the righteous shall live by his faith. In the last passage, what does this do for Habakkuk? Chapter 3, verse 17. Habakkuk rejoices. He says, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. So Habakkuk is concerned initially. He's asking God all these questions. God, why are you just looking at this and not doing anything? Why are you allowing the Babylonians to come? God says the righteous will live by faith. And Habakkuk starts praising. He starts praising. God, though everything in my world may seem like it's not working, he describes the the produce and the vines and fig tree. Nothing is blossoming. Nothing is blooming. I'm still going to rejoice. I'm still going to trust. Because you are a faithful God. You are a good God. You have a plan for me. You have a plan for my life. You are redeeming this world back to you. You are making me more like Christ every single day. And God, you have forgiven me of my sins. And you remember them no more. I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. I'm going to rejoice. This morning, I wonder how many people facing a trial, either they're in it 
or they see one coming, they just need to rejoice this morning. Or maybe you need to go to God with your complaints like Habakkuk did. Habakkuk was not wrong by going to God. If I have questions, would I not want to go to the altar of truth? I'm not going to him out of lack of faith, going to him for wisdom. I wonder how many people this morning have questions. How many people need to rejoice? Now, I'm a firm believer in the altar. I am. I I believe the the, the altar was made as a place to sacrifice sins. So sometimes we need to come down and sacrifice something that we're facing. Maybe it's pride. As we see in this passage, God does not like pride. Maybe it's something else. But you know what God is placing on your heart. You know what the Holy Spirit's convicting you of. It's also a place where we as a church come together and pray for one another and encourage one another. So I encourage you this morning during the altar call, if you have something that you need to work out with God or you want someone to pray with you, come down to the altar and pray. I'll pray with you. I'm sure whoever's sitting next to you will pray with you. And if this morning you've never tasted the repentance and the freedom that can get you a child of God, if you don't understand this living by faith that we're talking about and you want to know what that is, please come down and talk to me this morning. And we'll share that with you. And we'll rejoice with you as we lead you in the surrendering to Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Let's go to the Lord's Prayer. Father God, I thank you for your word this morning. Lord, I thank you for this passage. I thank you for ensuring that it was in your scripture. God, you knew that we would need it. You knew that we needed to see Habakkuk's dialogue with you, how Habakkuk responded um, by being patient and waiting and abiding in you. God, and you also uh, knew that we needed to see that Habakkuk rejoiced. What an example that is for us this morning, God. I pray that if you're impressing upon anyone's hearts, Lord, to accept you as the Lord and Savior, God, that they have the boldness and the courage to just step out from wherever they're at, they're at and to come down and just receive you this morning. Lord, there's nothing sweeter than having a right relationship with you. Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity that you give us to have a right relationship with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.